You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. Coming off the bye week. So I'm going to ask it. Adam. Yeah. Has Matt Joseph been fired yet? No. No, and it's not going to happen, right? We've designed ourselves to that. It doesn't mean we won't keep asking because, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil or something like that. Or at this point, it doesn't even get oil. It's no oil. It's just now we can it's not getting fixed. The, the bearing eventually like grinds down to the point where the wheel snaps off the axle. And it's not just the wheel. The transmission's falling out. Oh my gosh. The muffler is falling out. It's like the muffler's just dragging. It's like just dragging across the street as you drive. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, And then it, it, it's, it's not the it's not the tire directly across. It's the one caddy corner that's now going flat. So, so it's going down, but it's going down like on an angle kind of thing. It's kind of like it's like a wonky table. Yeah, exactly it. It's like a wonky table. Oh my goodness! I, you know because what? They still have a shot. They still have a shot. They do. Well, yeah, three and six. You can make the playoffs from three and six. There are. If you listen to Mike Cliss, Mike Cliss told us that we've been. They're the best three and six team in the NFL. Fingers crossed. Well, you know, I, I will say this: the uh, what is it, negative eight, right? They. They've lost by a total of eight points their games, or there's a eight point differential or whatever. Does it feel like that? I guess that maybe that's where we start. That was one of those stats that got kicked around over the bye week that the Broncos have lost their games by a total of eight points or something like that. Does it feel like it? Does it feel like they've only lost by a total of eight points? No. It doesn't matter how close the games are that you lose. You still lose. That's like saying your injury isn't as bad because you only broke one leg. It's just, it's just the one leg. Just ask Matt Paradis about that. It's just the one leg, Matt. You'll be fine. Get out there. Oh, too soon? Was that too soon? Might have been too soon. Yeah, other than the uh, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Um yeah, you know, it's funny because we talked about this after the Rams game. That game felt close, or that game was close, points-wise, but it didn't feel close at all. There was there was never any point in that game where you thought the Broncos were going to win. And I think that is more um, the norm this year for the Broncos than a game where you feel like they should have won and then they didn't win. There, there isn't a single game that I feel like they should have won Maybe the, maybe the Houston Texans game, right? Maybe the last game. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. And it's the same reason that we've been talking about on our show the last two years. And that hasn't changed. It's the head coach and it's the coaching staff. And Derek Wolf has been very outspoken this season on what is unfolding in that locker room, what's unfolding on the field, and what's unfolding in the organization. 
And he didn't hold any punches again with talking to Nikki Jabavala from The Athletic. No, not not a single one. You want me to want me to read the quote just just so we have it? I got it pulled up here. Um, he said, uh, "I thought we were going to have a quarterback. I thought we were going to keep a lot of the guys on the defense." He said, "That's why I took that haircut, a huge haircut, because I wanted to stay here and be a part of the best defense to play it. I didn't know that Wade Wade Phillips was going to end up leaving." I thought I was going to have Wade for a while. Nothing against Joe Woods. I just was really comfortable with where I was at. Then everything changed. That is not that is not the quote of a man who is happy with his current station in life. And it's it's interesting because I would say that the, the defense has picked up and gotten better over the the course of the last few weeks. But there's certainly some some uncomfortableness in the locker room with the franchise. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks now, and really seasons. And it's too bad that this is where things have gone. That a guy like Derek Wolf, who I think many Broncos fans look to as somebody who is a leader on that defense, is a you know sort of a representative of what's going on in the in the locker room. We hear him say those things, we see those those kinds of comments, and it feels like it feels like just like we've been saying, the wheels are coming off. And it also sounds like a guy who pretty much knows he's not gonna be back next season. Because I don't see any way that he would say these things and not expect some sort of repercussion from Elway or the organization. Because that's a huge indictment. That is a huge indictment. Not not just on the coaching staff, but on how this organization is being run right now. And Elway deserves every bit of it because he is in denial. He is in denial. It's beyond the point where he's giving PR speak and he has a little bit of delusionment or delusion going around the the quotes that he gave today to orange and blue 760 he's just in complete denial yeah you know you got to wonder when a guy like Derek Wolf talks about taking a big haircut and if you don't know what he means by that and I'll just go ahead and it's it's a pay cut right he gave the he gave the home hometown discount knowing he could have gotten a bigger payday somewhere else or uh, with the Broncos. He took he took the pay cut because he wanted to be a part of something special. And that's what he's saying in that quote. And Elway has essentially, I, I don't know if it's, co- I don't want to call it coach speak because he's not a coach, but there's that, you know, the way that you present things in public is always going to be rosier than the way they actually are, uh, unless you're making a statement or, or something like that. And it's it's strange because I think that as fans, what we're asking for and what we would like at this point is to to cut the rhetoric, right? Let's get let's get rid of the BS. Let's just let's just be honest with each other. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation, right? Let's let's actually talk about what's going on because for whatever reason, 
we care about this team, right? We, we've latched onto the game of football. It has become important to us. It has become a part of our lives, a part of what we do. It's, it's beyond just the, the basic hobby. There are enough fans out there that are, um, are huge Denver Bronco fans. I mean, it's Broncos country for a reason that at this point we would like the franchise to simply go ahead and be honest. When I say the franchise, I mean, I mean, John Elway. I'd like for him to sit down and, and give an interview with Orange and Blue 760 or Dave Logan on 85KOA or wherever the heck he wants to do it and just be honest. Just sit down and, and tell us really what we already see, right? We all already see it. We already know that the state of the franchise isn't great, not to go back to that from last week, but that I want to hear it, right? I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to acknowledge the, my frustration as a fan because I am frustrated. Just like Derek Wolf is frustrated and is willing to make those comments. Just like a lot of the players in that locker room have to be feeling a similar way and have to be having those same frustrations. We're all in the same dang boat. It's sinking at the same rate for everybody, but there's one person on the boat who refuses to acknowledge that it's going down. And it's the person who's driving. And that's generally a, a problem. And and I know we keep going back to one of you know that analogy, but it, it makes sense to me. We're sinking, but the captain doesn't want to admit it. And here's the quote that Elway gave Orange and Blue 760 today about the final seven games. Every time I look at a football schedule, I think we can win every game. My mind has not changed the way I look at the season. Hopefully we can get some momentum. We've got to try and stay positive and find a way to win. No, you don't that comment is insulting it is insulting to me it's insulting to you it's insulting to everyone who heard that interview and everyone who heard me speak those words through my mouth i feel sick saying that no you don't have to hope hope doesn't win football games and that's actually a quote that vance joseph gave this week which is actually probably the smartest thing he's ever said. But <laughs> Sorry, caught me off guard. <laughs> that it's just it's insulting to think that we're that stupid. Maybe not to not to interrupt your rant because I think you're heading in the right direction, but maybe and and this is something that I think we forget or I don't know if we forget it or we convenient conveniently don't mention it. It's one of the things that we love about John Elway. One of the things we loved about him as a player was that he refused to give up, right? There there was never a moment in a football game when John Elway was on the field where you thought this game is completely over, right? He was going to do everything he could until it read triple zero on the clock to, to get a victory. And if that's his mentality, right, if that's truly John Elway's mentality, it's probably it's probably hard for him to let that go as a GM, as the guy who's putting the pieces together, he probably still looks out on the field and goes, we can win every single game. And that's, that is a great attitude to have when you're the quarterback of a, of a football team, when you're the leader of a football team down on the field and you're down by seven and there's two minutes to go and you need to drive and score a touchdown to tie the game up and you're sitting there on the 98 yard line or on the two yard line and you got to go 98 yards. That's the perfect attitude to have. 
we need to win this game. We can win this game. Let's go get some momentum and we'll win the game, right? But when you're the general manager, when you're the vice president of football operations, and your job is to put together a winning team, and you haven't done that, you can't just look out on the field and go, well, we need to win this game and we can win this game. you got to start putting the pieces together again. And he did that once, right? He went out and he saw that what they had in that offense wasn't going to win because they got shellacked by the Seahawks in a Super Bowl. And so he put together a great defense, the defense that Derek Wolf was a part of. And now he's got to do it again. And the question is, can he or is he capable of or is he reverting back to what he is as a football player, which is somebody who looks at whatever he has and goes, we can win. I mean, he drug guys to victory, right? He pulled teams across the finish line that never should have crossed the finish line. And he thinks he can do that now, but he has no bearing on the game on the field other than picking the players. And to me, that's insulting because he's not being honest. He cannot will a team to victory like he did as a quarterback. And maybe those are those are crosses that he has to come to bear with because he might have that competitive streak and it's great, but it's insulting. He needs to be honest and he needs to be honest with himself because the first step in admitting you have a problem is to admit you have a problem. And as we've been saying for months, this Broncos team is derailed. The train is off the tracks. However you want to, to whatever analogy you want to use, it's the, the, the ship is sinking. It's derailed. The tires are falling off and the, the car is literally falling apart at the seams. And the only person who can admit that is the guy who's responsible for it. Just come out and say it's a rebuild. We can't continue to do this. I was wrong. Oh, I was, I was wrong. wrong. Oh, you know he can't say that. It, it, he needs to say. I it. agree with you. You know, you know how hard it is for people to admit when they've made a mistake. I, myself included. I'm terrible at it. Uh, you know, I don't like to admit that admit that I'm wrong at times. But I, I think it's happened once or twice in my 38 years of existence. And so, uh, but it isn't easy to admit that. And I think for a guy like John Elway, it's it's near impossible. And, and I think that's yeah. and I think that's the biggest reason why this feels like he didn't learn a damn thing from Pat Bolin. Pat Bolin would have moved on from John Elway by now. It would have already happened. Yeah. And he would have moved on from Vance Joseph. And the fact that Elway is holding on and delaying the inevitable and letting this play out and continue to play out and continue to play out because it's either his pride or he doesn't want to admit a mistake, or he is just in that much and thick of denial that he can't see straight. But something has to change. Because his head coach had another moment. Another moment. And they're not even playing yet. And I will... I'll take this one. Yeah, go for it. I, I wanted I wanted you to take it. And it's a quote from Vance Joseph. I'll just read the early part of the quote, the very first sentence. I think offensively we have to start faster and score more points early. That got Tim Lynch's 
Spidey sense going. And he's like, hold up, wait a minute. So we looked into it and he found that the Broncos are number two in first quarter scoring. So apparently the head coach of the Denver Broncos thinks that the number two scoring offense in the first quarter in the NFL isn't scoring enough, and that's why they're losing games. I mean, they're not number one, so I guess I guess there's that. I couldn't even get through it without laughing. They, they aren't number one, so there is room to be better, I guess. I, I suppose if they could score on every possession – in the first quarter and cause several turnovers in the first quarter and, and score every time they get, the, I mean, yes, they could score more points in the first half, but this just feels like, like being totally unaware of what the actual problem is. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because as Tim looked, this is where they rank after the first quarter 24th, in the second. That's that's not good. 19th in the third. Still not good. 26th in the fourth. It's actually the, the worst one. That one was the worst one. But apparently it's because they're not scoring enough in the first quarter. Yeah, they got to start faster. You got you to get out there and get them points. You got to get them points. Um it's and that brings up a great point that was from a comment from Tim's story. And it's it was posted by the the handle Music Man. Two ends, I believe. Music Man. Yeah, two ends. Here's what I'm finally realizing about Vance Joseph. VJ strikes me as the kind of guy that studies the answers for a test, but never studied the material content for the test. He sounds like he knows what the answers to the issues are, but he doesn't know what causes the issues in the first place. Thus, he doesn't know how to fix it. In other words, he talks a good game, which is probably how he got the job in the first place. But when it comes to putting that knowledge to practical use, he's basically clueless. I think this really explains a lot about why we keep hearing but seeing the same BS over and over. The man actually knows football. He just doesn't know bleep about coaching football. Yeah, you know, it's funny. As you read that comment, and it's it's one of those things I feel like we have – over the course of the last two seasons, really been trying to come up with a way to describe Vance Joseph. And this really hits the nail on the head. And it's funny because it makes me think of my old college days. Um, and I, I used to take a class, because I was a history major, there were guys that I would be in the same classes with over and over again. And there was this guy who I was in class with, I want to say he and I took probably 75% of my classes together. And anytime we got into a class discussion, someone would raise their hand, whether it was myself or somebody else, and they would say something. And then as soon as they got done saying something in the discussion, this guy would raise his hand, right? And he would say almost exactly the same thing 
only with slightly different words. He was really good at paraphrasing what someone else had said. And he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. But everybody knew that he was just regurgitating the same bull that somebody else had just said either right before him or a couple of people before him. So it was just reusing the same stuff over and over again. And it wasn't that he didn't know the content. It's just that he didn't know how to apply the content. And so he didn't know what to say until somebody else said something. That's Vance Joseph. He knows football. He's a football player. Good for him. I'll bet they have great practices. I have no doubt about that. But he he just doesn't know. He, he knows all the answers, but doesn't actually know what any of the questions are. And that explains why he's so terrible at situational football. It's why he can't make adjustments because he knows what the questions are. He just doesn't know how to ask them. Ooh, that's maybe an even better way to say it. He he, And they can't make adjustments. And I think that is a big part of being able to be the number two scoring offense in the NFL in the first quarter and then having that precipitous drop-off the rest of the game because everybody else adjusts. Everybody else looks at what the Broncos are doing and goes, we have to change these three things. Boom, done, fixed. The Broncos won't score the rest of the game. Look at what happened against Houston. They got to the they got to the second half, and the defense just completely shut Houston down. One way score. to go, VJ! You effing moron! I believe he called him a dumb f. I want to I want to I want to quote Bill O'Brien properly there. Well, I'm I'm adding my own. Yes, you're. I'm putting my twist on it. It's it's Ian's twist, but I I want to make sure we really quote him properly because that he really nailed the essence of of Broncos country there. Yeah. Nice going, Vance, you dumb, dumb F. F. Thanks. Thanks, Bill, for just you really put it into context for us, and we appreciate that. He it he does. He knows the game. He knows how to play. He he if you put him in a situation, he could probably tell you what he's supposed to do, right? If you said, Okay, Vance, you're playing this position and this happens here and this happens there, what are you supposed to do? Boom, he knows the answer. He would be a great commentator. Oh, my guess is there will be some openings next season, and he will probably be available. If you want that baggage from a certain incident in Boulder. That's not uh, that's, that's not my department. It's not not my mine department. either. So but don't worry about that. Hopefully we get to that point, and we're discussing potentially going after John Harbaugh, who does know situational football, who is one of the best in the NFL in those situations. So that would be like a complete 180. Sure. I'd like to turn things around. I think that would be nice. That would be that would be really, really fun. Be really, really fun. Um, yet again, right. we're in a podcast leading up to the game, and we haven't even talked about the game yet. <laughs> just getting ready to say, all right, let's, let's, let's see if we can't figure out. We are playing the Los Angeles Clippers this week. Sorry. I think they would still lose to the Clippers in football. Would. I just love the fact every time I see, like I'm watching the game and it scrolls by LAC at whatever, I'm, and I think to myself, why like, why are the Chiefs playing the Clippers? I don't understand. Oh, that's right. It's the it's the Chargers of Los Angeles now. I, it's, I'm, I'm struggling to adjust. You know, when you play all of your home games in a soccer stadium, it makes it difficult to really respect you. But that being said, um, 
I think we should probably look at the keys to the game that I have a feeling you and I are both going to predict in a, a very specific way. So um, I'll start with my keys. How about that? My key to the game is 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 really simple, and the Broncos have to stop Melvin Gordon. I think it's easier or simpler said than done. Yes. Like I said it, right? It's easy to say. It's not going to happen, but it's easy to say. Uh, but but they do. They have if they want to win this game, they got to stop Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is the he's the straw that stirs the drink for that offense. You can you, you know you can talk about Philip Rivers being the quarterback, and and he's an example of a guy who is the leader for his team and has been there for a long time, and is is one of those guys that as the quarterback he's going to you know sort of move the offense along. But Melvin Gordon is the guy that makes that offense go. And I know there's, you know, you got Austin Eckler, who Colorado product, you know, Austin Eckler is one of those, uh, he's an Eaton grad for those of you from the uh, Weld County area. Uh, I went to university, uh, university high school, so I don't really like Eaton all that much, but I'm, I'm proud to say that that guy is from the same, you know, 50 mile radius that I'm from. That's cool. Uh, it's actually eight. Whatever. But well, I was just making sure I got it all encompassed there. I was including all of Weld County. I feel like that was nice of me to do for all you Weld Countyans. Well, Weldin, Weldins, Welders, Weldians. Shoot, you plopped I, that out there and expected it to perform. I, I really didn't, actually. I didn't know where I was going with it, really, so I'm glad we, we finished there. The key to the game is stop Melvin Gordon. Don't let him be the guy who beats you. Force them to go somewhere else. Before I get into my key to the game, all right, I'm going to drop a couple of stats on you. Fun. I like stats. So we know the Broncos are bad on the road. In Vance Joseph's tenure, this team is two and one on the road. But chew on this. Joseph has never won a road game that wasn't played on a Thursday. And we've mentioned this before. The last time the Broncos won a game that wasn't played on a Thursday, Joseph wasn't even the head coach. It was December 4th, 2016, in a 21-10 game at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The quarterback was Paxton Lynch. (laughs) The same pit of misery happens in the AFC West. The last time Denver beat a divisional opponent on the road was December 6th, 2015. And again, Joseph wasn't the head coach, and the team played in a different city. The Broncos beat the Chargers in San Diego 17-3. But wait, it gets better. Or worse. I was going to say, I think you used that wrong. Denver has lost 10 straight games in Los Angeles to the Chargers last season, eight games to the now Oakland Raiders, and one to the Los Angeles Rams in 1994. You know the last time the Broncos won a game in Los Angeles, Adam? No. It was in 1987 against Bo Jackson and the Raiders. Wait a minute. They beat Bo Jackson? That's awesome. Bo Jackson is the greatest player in the history of the game, except for John Elway, of course. You think Bo would be a better GM? 
I think he would at least be more honest. That's what we're looking for. That's you know what? That's an amazing stat that you just read that depressed everybody who was listening. So now that we're all sad, bring on the Chargers. Well, go go ahead and give us your keys to the game. You got to give us your key to the game. I gave mine. My key to the game ties into what we just talked about with Vance Joseph. Limit the damage from coaches. The last time we saw the Broncos in action, a 1917 loss to the Houston Texans, the result was all due to Joseph's incompetence. It's not possible for Denver to correct the issues in two weeks, mainly because John Elway doesn't even want to admit there are mistakes or things that need to get corrected. So limit the damage. The best way for that to happen. If Joseph and his coaching staff get the urge to do something, do the opposite. I think we should go for it here on fourth down. No, no. I'm going to trust not my gut. I'm going to go the opposite direction. That could get confusing, though. A lot of indecision because maybe your gut says one thing, but then you, your gut tells you not to trust your gut. And so you don't trust your gut, but then you're like, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to trust my gut. And then you just end up bouncing back and forth, and then it's delay a game, five-yard penalty, and all that fun stuff. I think the best way to describe it is constantly ask yourself this question if you're Vance Joseph. What would John Fox do? If Vance Joseph does that simple trick that little mind trick for himself. What would John Fox do? He won't screw up because John Fox never took a risk ever. Yeah, not once in his life did he take a risk. Actually, I do remember them going for a fake punt in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, yes. I remember that as well. That is that is true. I'm not saying it was advised. It was probably ill-advised, but... They did do I it, it. I think it worked, but I, it work. I, I can't think of many other instances where John Fox no, wasn't I mean, John Fox. Take a knee Fox was take a knee Fox for a reason. And, and and Vance Joseph should probably take a take a knee. He would have been better to take a knee at the end of the first half than to kick a 62-yard field goal. Yeah, can't argue with that statement. I mean... That one was ridiculous. And so let's not repeat those mistakes, right? Let's exactly. Those mistakes. Limit the damage. Don't make the other coach so happy that you're across the, the field from him, right? I mean, could we say that Bill O'Brien was quite happy to see Vance Joseph on the other side of the football field? He kind of knew he had an advantage. Hey, that's Vance Joseph. I, I know I'm the best head coach on this field. I think most coaches go into that situation feeling like that. Right. And so... Maybe he should hide. They should. I don't know. There's got to be a solution, but I don't know what it is. I just don't. Um, let's, let's talk about players to watch, shall we? Let's do it. I believe we shall. Uh, go, I'll, I'll let you start. I started the last one. You start this one off. Who's, let's go offense first. Offense is more fun. Cortland Sutton. Yes. I mean, we all thought that he was going to be the guy to – benefit from Demarius Thomas being traded and then somehow Jeff Hireman gets 10 catches. Yeah, that was strange, right? I oh, think now I would you rather, know where the tight end is. I think it's great that they utilized their tight end. Yep. Finally, since Julius Thomas was on the roster four years ago. But 
let's see what Cortland Sutton can do. Let's hopefully Bill Musgrave use the buy to try to find ways to implement Cortland Sutton into the offense, throwing it deep three to five times at least since he either always comes down with the 50-50 ball or draws a pass interference penalty, stretches the offense. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here laughing because I honestly thought what you were going to say was, let's hope that Bill Musgrave used the bye to learn football. That's honestly what I thought you were going to say. Again, <laughs> it's just like the Vance, my key to the game with Vance Joseph right. and the coaching staff. Just the don't. issues aren't going to get corrected in two weeks. There is no way, no matter how many crash course one, football 101 sessions Bill Musgrave goes to, he will ever get it figured out. So I'm trying to start small. Sure. You go with a small look there. I'm going to go with uh, Royce Freeman if he plays. And I think that's what reports are is that he's going to be on the field. Um, I'd, I'd like to see what the running game looks like again with him and Philip Lindsay out there. But I'd like to see him get more touches. Uh, they he may be limited just because they're you know gonna sort of ease him back into things but I I want to see I want to see him run the football I think that I'm not the only one out there that every time we start a game I look at Royce Freeman and I think that guy should be running the football more and, and then he's not and I don't know if it's in game scenario where they just go away from the run or if they just forget that they have two really good running backs but that always drives me nuts so with him coming back if he is actually going to be back in the game, Will they incorporate him enough into the game plan? That's something that I'm definitely going to be watching for. Um, defense, and I'll go first on defense. It's got to be Derek Wolf, right? After the comments that he made, I, I know that he's been less impactful this season. Adam Gotsis, you and I talked about this before the before we started, has kind of taken over the Derek Wolf role. I'll be curious to see if Derek Wolf, after the comments he made, is even going to get playing time in general. So it, he's my player to watch just to see if he even sees the field. And I'm going to go with Sua Cravens again because the one thing Philip Rivers likes to do is utilize his tight ends and his running backs more so than what Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien like to do with their offense. You know Ken Wisenhunt will utilize Antonio Gates, and they'll utilize Melvin Gordon. They'll utilize Eckler out of the backfield. We're going to figure out real quick what kind of a difference maker Sua Cravens can make because that's what the Chargers do, and the Broncos don't do it. <laughs> the Chargers do, and the Broncos don't. That's a really good way to look at that. So, yeah, that's a good one. I like I, You know, Sua Cravens, for you and I especially – Heading into the season, we were we were pretty hyped on him, and then the injury sort of derailed his season. And now that he's back, what kind of impact can he have on a team that really isn't going anywhere? So that'll be interesting to see. You got a score prediction? Well, the Broncos are a seven-point underdog, and I I have no doubt that it will be another home game for the Broncos because I don't. I don't know if there are Chargers fans. What is, but what I think is going to unfold is I think the the, the Chargers will, will will actually cover by a wide margin by two touchdowns. Ooh, twenty seven thirteen. 
Oh, we, we have very similar predictions. I wrote it down. Uh, 20, Chargers. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 27-16. I actually wrote down 27-13 to start, but then I scratched in a six. I gave Brandon McManus another field goal. I was like, ah, let's let's give Brandon McManus another field goal. He had a rough week last week, or two weeks Maybe ago Maybe he now. misses the extra point. <laughs> That's probably more likely. <laughs> But I don't know why you got to be mean like that. You don't have. You don't have to. You could just say, "Give Brandon this. It's a touchdown and three field goals." Let's just. Brandon McManus is the offense. This is great. That's perfect. But no, he missed. He missed the extra point. All right, fine. I'm, I'm fine with that too. So he makes one extra point, but he misses the other. Poor Brandon. You're you're hard on him. Deservedly no, I, so. I, it's just a possibility. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I just threw it forth. It's. Yeah, I know. You put it out in the ether, and now it's going to happen. If it was a pass, it was a 50-50 ball, but Bill Musgrave wouldn't have thrown he it. He doesn't know what that is. He doesn't understand 50-50 prospects. So, all right. Speaking of offenses that are fun to watch. Oh, yes. Let's get into it. Little league, the New little Orleans league Saints. The New Orleans Saints. I'd, Go ahead, say it. You they, predicted they were going to make it to the Super Bowl, and you're they were my NFC. They were my NFC Super Bowl team, and it, it, especially with the Rams and the Chiefs, that's an interesting game because if the Chiefs somehow lose it, that that may open up the possibility for a team behind them to get a little bit of of hope for home field especially since the Chiefs have the Chargers one more time. And in terms of the Rams, they can ill afford to get behind any further since they already lost the head-to-head matchup with the Saints. And I don't think the Saints are going to be losing again. The way they are rolling right now and the way Drew Brees I think he's completing like 80% of, I think he has a completion percentage of like 80%. It's close. Yeah. It's close to 80% right It now. is ridiculous. It's that insane is insane. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an unreal number. You know, and the other thing about the Rams that I think is really interesting is just how shaky they actually look. They don't look solid. The defense doesn't look solid. Like everybody predicted they were going to have a top, you know, one of the top defenses in the league. They're giving up yards left and right. Uh, You can run on them and the chiefs have a good running attack, but the Rams offense also took a hit with Cooper cup going down. And are they going to keep rolling or will they feel that that loss and end up losing to the chiefs at home in Los Angeles? Now, right. The game was supposed to be at Azteca in Mexico city, but the field conditions were just not playable. So they moved the game from Mexico city and they're playing in Los Angeles now, which I guess the Rams were at the nuggets game tonight. A couple of them were. Yeah, Keep to was sitting with Vaughn Miller. Ah, uh, key to hanging out with, Oh no, that's bad. You keep a keep to away from Vaughn Miller. I don't need Vaughn Miller accidentally getting shot. So that's, be careful. Just be careful, Vaughn. That's all I ask. But uh, what will help that Rams offense, though, is to go against that absolutely horrible Chiefs defense. It is trash. It's trash. It's garbage, as they say in some places. And I think what's interesting is I think Wade Phillips will watch what Joe Woods and the Broncos did 
to Patrick Mahomes the first time around yes. on that Monday night game. Because the one thing that the, the Rams have that the Broncos don't is an interior pass rush. I, I, I don't yeah. think... I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to get away from Aaron Donald or Indomitian Sue. Because if it's an interior pass rush, he's not going to have time to to think, let alone get out of the pocket, unless he just immediately abandons the play and gets out of the pocket and starts going all Fran Tarkenton. That'll be an interesting cat-and-mouse game to kind of see how that defense does match up with Patrick Mahomes if they take, you know... If, if they are able to get that push up front, what is the adjustment that Andy Reid makes to sort of get Mahomes, you know, out into space and get some freedom? That That's going to be a really interesting game to watch. Like, I, I definitely will be staying up on that Monday night uh, and watching the entire game. Uh, so, so that's waiting all the way until Monday. Oh, so far away. So what are we looking at on Sunday? Aside from watching the Broncos, which for me, fingers crossed, they might actually be on TV out here. What are we looking at? What do you want to watch? I actually, you you mentioned the Bears game, uh, and I thought that was interesting. It's the first time in six years Sunday night football will be in Chicago at Soldier Field. I, that shocked me. I mean, I I live in the Chicagoland area, have for a long time now, and uh, I, I didn't even realize it's been six years since they were at home on Sunday night. Interesting. The other interesting thing to watch is the Titans and the Colts because after the way the Titans looked against the New England Patriots, if they're able to to string a couple of wins together, remember they were a playoff team last year and yes, they they, they went on the road and beat the Chiefs after being down. It was glorious. It was one of the best things ever. Oh, I loved it. But th- that's that's a game to watch. I, I think, and for those of us who want John Harbaugh, yeah, the yeah, Bengals, Bengals and the Ravens. And Ravens. Yep. Yeah. It, if, if if you want John Harbaugh to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos, you want the Ravens to continue to lose. And I think it's to the point now where I think they're going to move on from Harbaugh anyway because Ozzie Newsom, this is his last season as general manager of the Ravens. Right. So the next, the next guy they bring on. Is going to want his own coach. So, but that that's always something to keep an eye on. And you can see for yourself if you have Sunday NFL ticket or if you stream games, watch the Ravens and see how he manages a game. And the good thing about Sunday is the Ravens and the Bengals play on Sunday on the early game at 11 o'clock Mountain. So then you can then watch how Harbaugh manages a game and situational football and adjustments and compare it to the incompetence of Vance Joseph. Maybe Vance should watch that game and take notes about how to make adjustments and and things like that. Maybe that's what needs to happen. I don't know. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. Um, The The other game for me is the Redskins. Yeah. They have a chance to run away with the NFC East because if the Saints beat the Eagles, the Eagles are pretty much done. Yep. I mean, they're already what, like two or three games back already. Yes, they are. Yeah, I think they're 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 not in a good spot, especially. So after if that they loss lose, they're probably not even 
they're not even sniffing the playoffs. So, so much for a repeat in Philly. But this win over a win over Houston at home for the Redskins would set them up because I I believe they play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Ooh, old school, old school Thanksgiving matchup. That'll be fun. Yeah, so no, I, I agree. That to me, uh, I, I think the surprise in the NFL is the Redskins. Aside from maybe the Chargers, because we always talk about Chargers season. Well, Chargers season is the preseason, but we forget apparently... that. We forget that they're only a game back of the Chiefs. So I think the surprise team in the AFC is the Chargers, and the surprise team in the NFC is the Redskins. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because really the Chargers are everybody's sort of perennial preseason pick, right? I mean, I make fun of it all the time, welcome to Chargers season, but they have so far lived up to the expectations, and – I don't even know if you could call them a surprise so much as just a, they're more of that finally team, right? They've finally started to live up to the hype a little bit. And so now the question is, can they carry that through and, and make a push into the playoffs and then maybe get a playoff win? Uh, because I think they can push the Chiefs. I, I hate sitting here talking about, you know, AFC West rivals and about where they're at in, in, in the standings and how they are so much better than the Broncos right now. But that's just... That's just the truth of the situation. And I think that your AFC representative to the Super Bowl, it, it could end up being one of those two teams because those are the two strongest teams and the, the most consistent teams in the AFC so far this season. And, and yeah, I am discounting uh, the Patriots. I think that they look a little old and busted right now. I think the team to keep an eye on, because they always seem to get rolling this time of year. And they did it the last time they were on the field against the team I thought could be a team that could sneak up on people in the NFC, and they completely flogged them, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, that's true. If that offense gets rolling, and they – I mean, they know how to win – They've done it before. They've they've been there. They've done that. That's true. That's certainly that experience is something that can can help carry them. And they and they do look like the team that's going to come out of you know that particular division. So you know, so the they'll a- get a top four seed. Yeah, they're going to get a top four seed. They could. They they probably won't get a first round buy, but that's I don't think they care about that. They'll get a home game, and then they'll they'll see how the chips fall. But uh, yeah, you're right, and it it'll be interesting to see what they do against the Jaguars, who. Uh, have sort of faltered this year. They were supposed to be, you know, the the up and coming team this year, and they have not had the success that they had hoped for. Uh, they're feeling the woes of having not a great quarterback as well. Uh, welcome to that particular fun town, right? We know that all too well. Oh, we're we're living it. We've been living it for a while. So I bet the difference though is that Tom Coughlin will admit it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Tom Coughlin. Well, but that's I think that's an interesting point you make there. The difference between Tom Coughlin and John Elway in this particular setting is that Tom Coughlin would be more than willing to look at you and say, we suck. Whereas John Elway, he can't do that. He can't bring himself to that point. And I don't know if that's a difference in attitude. Tom Coughlin is a coach, right? He's 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 not a GM at, at heart. He's a coach at heart. And he's been one of those coaches that was always willing to look at his players and say, you're not as good as you think you are. And that to me is is an attitude that you don't get when you are 
the best quarterback in the history of the game and you're able to drag teams across the finish line. But you do get that attitude when you're a coach and you have to look at guys and say, you're terrible, we're terrible, we've got to make some changes. And I think that's one of those things that maybe Elway knows it, we just want him to say it now. And, and you know, that kind of brings it back full circle there. It's not that I think that Elway doesn't know how bad the Broncos are. He knows. I mean, he's got eyes. He, he's got a nose. He can smell it. He just has to be willing to admit it. And we as fans, we just want him to come out and be honest with us and say, yeah, we stink and we got to get better. And we're going we're gonna to rebuild and we're going to get better. Because the way that he's doing things now is – there's no comfort in in telling me that it's raining while you're, you know, spitting on my shoes. And and that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like you're telling me it's raining while you're spitting on my shoes. When and then not, kicking me in the nuts. <laughs> is that is that what that was? I was wondering why I was walking funny the other day. Because don't tell me it's raining while I'm spitting on my shoes thing. That was fine after the first season, maybe after the second. Now it's just insulting. Now you're just purposefully kicking me in the nuts repeatedly, and I'm allowing you to do it. That's the hard part about fandom, I suppose. So, all right. So, yeah, just admit it. Yeah, just give it to us. Just admit it. Tell us the truth. Tell us where you're – tell us the truth. We've we've earned it, right? Over the years of suffering and and being a fan and and being a part of everything, we've earned a little bit of honesty from – John Elway and, and management and, and here's hoping that they can that they can do that. So well it's more it's more from the Broncos because the the one thing lost after Sun that that game against the Texans was the four hundredth consecutive sellout. This fan base has shown that it will stick by you. There may be no shows. You may get nine thousand no shows. It may get higher as as the games wear on and you lose more. And you still have Vance Joseph as your coach. But this fan base will stick with you. This fan base is diehard. It has been through a lot. It has been through five Super Bowl losses. It has been through some downtrodden years. It's been through Josh McDaniels. It went through Brian Greasy as the replacement for John Elway. It went through a devastating playoff loss, not once, but twice. This fan base will support you, but you got to stop insulting us. You have to start treating us like we know what we see and we hear is actually what we see and what we hear. Where else do you go from there? I I guess we're just on to Los Angeles at this point. Bring on the Chargers? Sure, why not? You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos! Broncos!